Greetings, this is Bob Ponderelli, co-host with Mike Sherrick of Into the Gap Radio, which airs Saturday afternoons at 1 o'clock Central on 1590 AM and 95.9 FM Chicago. This is the podcast version of our show where you'll get highlights of our most recent episode. Okay, let's get started. Here's my co-host, Mike Sherrick. Welcome. This is Mike and Bob and Into the Gap. It's November, bud. Welcome. Second. Welcome, inhabitants of planet Earth. Yeah, how you doing, man? Uh, you know, as usual, I, I find myself somewhat disturbed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's an yeah. uplifting place yeah. to start, man. And, and I think I go between uh, being disturbed and perturbed, okay. which led us here, kind of. Yeah. I mean, in other words, I think between those two, somewhere between those two things got us the radio show, well, and here we are. I, I think I told you that I live my life in probably a near constant state of annoyance. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's your that's your trigger. That's Yeah, I'm yeah, constantly annoyed. You get annoyed. All the time. Yes. Yeah, by everything. You get annoyed by the fact that our uh, anonymous guest is not here in the studio when... You, and you can go into this if you want. Nah, nah. You, it's, if you, it's beating a dead horse. No. Maybe uh, you talk about ownership and making that happen. Well, well what it is, it, it, it's like, first of all, there's the integrity of being on time. Yes. And, and so integrity is about workability. It's not about morality. Right. Right? So to me, that's important because when you have everything put together, it tends yep. to run smooth and it tends to run per design. Okay? Right. So if it's not there, then you've got to wing stuff and it's no longer operating per design. Yeah. And people don't, don't think there's a design to this. There is. Right. As wacky as it may sound, yeah. there's an actual design and a process and a layout and a structure. Yeah. And when it's violated, then it puts everything out of kilter. But it's right. fine. But yes. if you know, but everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, according to Mike Tyson, and we, we will adapt. Yes, sir. The second thing is the being a cause, which you and I have talked about a lot, right? Right. And we're gonna cover again. Yeah. And again. And it's and it's until our audience Submits an exhaustion and says, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> we got it. And it's really about ownership. It's like fully owning uh-huh. even the things that you don't control. Right. Well, see, that's the part that gets everybody. A- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, own, taking ownership of things you don't control. However, like, for example, like, say, the Chicago public school system isn't working. And it's not necessarily our fault that it's mm-hmm. not working, mm-hmm. right? And so- Say, so where do you go once you get to that point? You, so you get to the point where it's not our fault and we have some sense of responsibility. Where does the, where does the, how do you manage your life with these kind of um, dysfunctions going on? Well, that's where it begins with looking in the mirror. Like, what is your role? So, so like one of the things I got into it with uh, uh, some of the people on Facebook this week about, uh, you know, it, there's a, a certain group of humanity that is always mm-hmm. complaining about our president, right? Yeah. And I said, well, guys, don't you get your part of the, you're the reason, like we got what we got because right. we're all part of it. Yeah. And they were like, no, no, we had, we had no responsibility in that. Right. But here's the other thing. Yeah. The other thing is, Mike, is that, and this happened, this happened in the last yeah. crash, yeah. 2008, mm-hmm. uh, 2009, whatever, mm-hmm. which is, oh no, uh, you American people, um, the reason why the bankers ripped you off mm-hmm. and foisted their losses on you mm-hmm is because you let it happen. So it's your fault. And then they use the fact that it's your fault to continue getting themselves off the hook. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, no. I, I Like, get... for example, our guest is running a little late. It was my responsibility to make sure he's getting here. Yeah. And by the way, we're, we're having what we what we dreamed about when we started the show, right. which is real-time no, coaching right. conversation, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's like, where do you own it? it and it's not about control. And right. it's not about everything's going to be perfect. Like, right. stuff's going to get messy sometimes. Right. 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 So when you talk about the, 
the home ownership thing, right? Or, or the, the, like who was owning their homes and using them as checkbooks, right? right. And, and by using his checkbooks all the way, and who was allowing for the way market evaluations were being done? Right. When you owned a $250,000 house and it was being evaluated and said it was 400000 bucks, did right. you say, no, it's not really 400000 right. no, no. You refinanced it. And you took the money. And you took the money. Yeah. And you bought a car. So where's our, where's our thing? Courage over comfort, right? Right. And that's what it is, is we got to start looking and got to pull the needle out of our vein of yeah. comfort yeah. and start really getting responsible for our life. Yes. And it shows up everywhere. Right. Every stinking place. Today, or not today, this week mm-hmm. in the World Series, right? Yes. You know, I used to be a baseball umpire. Yes. And you know nothing about baseball, I understand. I understand, yes. But there was that call. I understand that. I don't understand. Well, no. Yeah. There, there was, was that, a call. There yeah. was that call. I, I was following you on Twitter on and, that one. And- the umpire mm-hmm. made not only the right call mm-hmm. according to the rules, yeah. but it was also a courageous call because every time I've, I've made that call about three times in my career mm-hmm. as an umpire, yeah, and every time you do it, the house comes down. Right, everybody you're, loses their mind. You're quite the enemy at that point. Yeah, <laughs> because you disrupted their comfort because they thought stuff was going their way, right? Yeah, and so I'm watching this, mm-hmm. and it's like a great call. And then Davey Martinez does what a typical manager does, loses his mind. Right. Which is fine. Yeah. He's got a right to. Yeah. Because we still have free speech, at least right. this month, mm-hmm. right. to do it. Right? Right. And umpires handle it, and somehow, some reason, they went to the repay. Now, the thing that bothered me wasn't the call because they did it right and everything like that. And, yeah. and, and Davey Martinez lo- losing his mind didn't bother me. Yeah. What bothered me were the analysts. Yeah. There was this guy, Mark DeRosa, a former Major League ball player. Yeah. Does this analysis, and he says, well, what we should do is we should move the base to the other side of the line so that there's no collision. Like, it's like change the entire structure of the game of baseball to meet your needs. Collision happens. Yeah. Right. And, and the rule is there for that. Yes. And it, and it was such a metaphor for the mindset that goes on today in the world. Yes. Like, if things aren't going, yeah, go ahead. I want to, I want to keep you in line because we're going to get into the quickly uh, uh, a couple of things documentation of existing conditions. I want to do a shameless plug here. I wrote a, uh, uh, I wrote a, my name is Bob Pontarelli, by the way, for those of you who haven't been listening or just jumped in, I wrote a, uh, a LinkedIn uh, recommendation for Mike. Oh my God. That, uh, that worked out very well for me because it, it, as Mike knows, I can be very verbose and I was actually short and sweet and to the point. So yeah, yeah. Kudos to Mike for uh, just being a just terrific, uh, Terrific partner. I, I, th- and I think we have a guest. Is, I think the oh, commander's okay. coming the, in. The commander. I just want to let everybody know we're about to skirt the uh, boundaries of, <laughs> of reason. Of yeah, well, <laughs> of a lot of things, and so we request that you, you know, hold on to your chairs here. We're we're not going to get into Joe Biden this week calling for a physical revolution. <laughs> um, we're not going to get into. Uh, we're not going to really get into humans eating their own blood sausage. You hear about this? No. Oh yeah. Yeah, so RT posted this thing about this guy. He's a woodcutter from a remote village in Spain who makes sausages from human blood. <laughs> and he says it's vegan-friendly because no animals are harmed. All right, the commander is here. Uh, get yourself some headphones. Yeah. He's going to be on in the next segment. Yeah. Uh, for now, uh, you need to get set up. Yeah. Mike, you said something earlier this week, and I want you to talk about this briefly. Yeah. And you said... Something that we were discussing mm-hmm. was a perversion of the transformational narrative. 
Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I, I do. I don't remember the exact context of when we had it. it but the context doesn't matter because... Well, because... what it is, it, it's taking the idea of possibility yeah. and stretching it into magical thinking and uh, and allowing... Commander, can you hear us? Yeah. Awesome. We're going to set we're going to set you up on break, okay? Yeah, so we, continue, Mike. So it, it's taking the idea of possibility and what possibility is is creating a future for you to live into that then yes. is followed by action and commitments. Yes. To fulfill it, right? Yes. So what happens is the perversion of it is there, there's they create a possibility which lives at a magical solution, right? With no pathway, right? With no committed action, yes. With no structure, mm-hmm. with no idea, right? It's just going to happen. Right. You know? Like I'm living in my parents' basement, smoking pot all day, and I create the possibility of a million dollars. Well, it's like the analyst that you just brought up. Yeah. The the uh, the foot the baseball, baseball dude. Yeah. yeah. So his thing is, you know what? We don't. I don't like the way things are working yeah. out. Let's just change Let's just the change structure yeah. to something that accommodates. Yeah. And I think we could probably do an entire show on this because it's this magical thinking or. There's so many other narratives going on in yeah. our culture today yeah. that are being perverted in a way. Well, when we get you know, back and we get the commander on, because really what I want to talk to him about is the idea of privilege, freedom, responsibility, right? Yes. And the the way that works and the impact, like the conversation you and I were having, the, yes. the, the impact of globalism and globalized thinking. Right. As it relates to that, because it's, I, I didn't see it till just this right. last couple of days. And, and as you said earlier to me, when you and I spoke on the way yeah. here, you're taking off the gloves for the first yeah. time publicly. And you're saying, you know what, I'm, you're declaring that globalism is a bunch of BS yeah. that was sold to everybody. And I, I tended to agree with you. And this is because I reflect back mm-hmm. on my voting for Bill Clinton yeah. and Clinton giving away the uh, rights to the, uh, uh, the port of... Was it Panama? No. Huntington Beach? No, Long Beach. Long Beach. Yeah. Long, Long Beach. Beach. Yep. Yeah. So, so. Before, before we end the first break, I just yeah. want to give a shout out to my guy, Beto Robert O'Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you mean a big adios to A big adios. Beto? Happy adios, trails. Beto. Happy trails. Adios, my Happy trails. Beto O'Rourke, the douchiest <laughs> of all the douches yeah. in the land of doucheville. Right. Yeah. Of politics. But when you do that, don't wave your <laughs> arm and shake your head the way he does yeah. because he does that thing with oh the my hands, God. the, uh, the uh, neuro-linguistic programming yeah. thing. Yeah. That makes me nuts. When I heard him say that he was going to drop out, first yeah. of all, I thought he already had, but mostly I was laughing. It just made me happy to hear him. Right. And then he started whimpering, which he is did? productive. Yeah. So we're blessed with an in-studio guest, the commander. And Bob, do you want to talk about the commander a little bit and sure. introduce him? Sure. First of all, we want to thank the commander for being here. This is a person who is a serial entrepreneur, a father to several children. He's a public figure uh, in the business world where people would know him. And he, he has uh, uh, some things he'd like to be able to discuss that really do fall in the category of things we're not allowed to talk about in many ways. We're not allowed to have conversations for certain things for fear. And I, I also have a shout out to someone. Uh, there's many people listening to this show, and there's one person in particular who actually has a lot to offer uh, the conversation that we have here on the show. And he actually is afraid to come on. So it, to some degree, the commander is, he doesn't, he's not, this is not about fear. This is about the commander having responsibility for his children 
and I'd say that's pretty much where it sits. So, welcome. Can I can I put one thing one thing in before? Sure. Like really, I want to give a shout out to him. I mean, I, I've known this guy for a couple of months now, and he's just yeah. become one of my favorite humans. And <laughs> the thing the thing that is so great about him being here is yeah. uh, he's enrolled in the show and enrolled in what we're up to. Yes. Which is really forwarding the conversation around free, freedom, uh, critical thinking. And men being responsible in the world. And yes. he's listening to the show and he said he wanted to right. make some contributions. And I'm yeah. really, thank, thank you for being here to help us forward what we're up to. Because this you is for an, having me. Yeah, no, it's very cool. This is an uncommon conversation. And we're going to drop the gloves on a couple things here today, you know? And no better person than you to be here for that. <laughs> so, well, let's start. Yeah. So, okay. one of the things I, I was sharing with Bob, right? Um, Kind of this whole journey of looking at dudes and, and what dudes do started for me. I was I was leading a coach's training program. Okay, and this is four or five years ago. And one of the people in the coach's training program was this woman. She's Asian American, raised in Naperville, you know, the mean streets of Naperville, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, went to Naperville Central High School, which was is probably one of the most affluent high schools in the world. Mm-hmm. Went to the University of Indiana, which is known for their urban environment and how, you know, the, the difficulty that exists in Bloomington, Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is all tongue-in-cheek. And then went to law school somewhere, I don't know. I, she may have gone like Pepperdine or something like that. Okay. So pretty much cake-eating all the way, right? Yep. Okay. At, the, at the completion, there's this completion exercise, and yeah. she called me out for, for being a rich, old, privileged white guy. Yeah. Right? And how I was close. And I, I was taken aback, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I started looking. I mm-hmm. really, I like, I, I didn't take it as criticism. I, I started looking, like, what is going on? And I went through all the different wormholes. And it's been a three or four year journey. Mm-hmm. And what I came out is this idea of privilege is a collapsing of freedom. Correct. And it's because of our relationship to globalism. Mm-hmm. We've put the idea of globalism n- n- not solely, but a major component. Uh, we put the ideal of globalism ahead of the Constitution. Freedom in this many country. Peop- many people have, yes. Yeah, because they lose sight of one thing. Freedom is a right. Correct. And when you are free, there's nothing you can't do. Correct. And one of the things I, I want you to be here and tell a little of your story is you operate as a completely free and independent human being. Yes, I do. And the result of that has been success. Success and wealth. Right? Yes. Yeah. Like pretty significant wealth, right? Substantial. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm a billionaire, but. And you've overcome setbacks too in Correct. the process, right? Many, many setbacks. Many, many setbacks, right? And it's, a, it's your relationship to freedom, not privilege. And so when I hear privilege and people go, well, you're privileged. No. I grew up in Berwyn. Mm-hmm. I was telling Bob, Bob's relationship to me, like the gap between how we grew up. Is like the gap between how you and I grew up. Correct. You know, because you grew up on the west side. I grew up on the west side. I, I grew up in fear. Yeah. I grew up constantly having to run. I grew up constantly having to defend yeah. what I have and who I am. Yeah. And so what I'm committed to is we change this conversation because whenever I hear privilege, it's always pejorative. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, yeah. It's now, all, yeah. now it is. Now it now, is. Yeah. That's, no, the, that's the perversion yes. of the narrative. The, uh, yeah. pr- pr- privilege had one meaning. And, and of course, people say, oh, but, you know, language is changing because the people. Are ch-. No, not really. We're adopting. Yeah. We're, 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 or, we're adapting. We're adapting. The, right. The, the language. More accurately. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. So I, I would love for you to just share, like, your privilege that you experienced in your life. Well, my privilege was very simple. I came here as an immigrant to the country. My parents did not have very much money. You're actually an Im- immigrant? I'm actually an immigrant. 
Wow. Yep, a minigramag. Came in at three years old. How many social programs did they have to help you out? Absolutely none. <laughs> How did you survive? I survived by adapting, by adapting, you know, to my environment. Yeah. By having to deal with the daily circumstances that were handed my way and coming up with on-the-spot decisions or thought through the problem mm -hmm. and come up with a solution. I, I have a trigger question for you now. What was the principal reason that you had to fight as much as you did on the when you grew up? Because well, I, was, I was a minority in my neighborhood. Meaning you were? White. Yes. In a black neighborhood. Okay. Mm -hmm. And did you, can you testify that you were in fact literally bashed up because you were white only or because you? Well, because I was different. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't the fact, I, I, I never thought, later years I thought it was because I was white in a black neighborhood, but it was because I was different and it was a emotional response mm -hmm. to what were, the, the way the people of the neighborhood were being treated mm -hmm. by people like me in other environments. Sure. Right. Yeah. They were, they're massive. You know, it's really interesting when you bring that up. Yeah, and, go ahead. And it wasn't retaliation. No. No, it was the way they were being programmed. The people that I lived with in mm -hmm. my neighborhood were being programmed by the way society, government, and environment yeah. was treating them. Mm -hmm. So they were being treated... So now I was a minority in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So now I'm being treated in the same way that they were being treated when they are out of their neighborhood environment. Yeah. 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 And right. that was the problem. So it's not privilege, really. Mm -hmm. It's the way the programming mm -hmm. has occurred, the way society believes that they should be treated, the segregation. Yeah. And it created a massive problem yeah. Yeah. in my environment. Because yeah. I was now the minority. And, well, I was going to say, and one of the reasons that you actually came on the show is to share your observations regarding this program that's occurring at many different levels. Very much so. Yeah. And it's and it's so bad and so intense. And you, you, like many of us, believe that unless we start exposing this kind of stuff that's going on, we're going to be in, in big... Tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous gonna, problem. Get, because our species as humans... Mm -hmm. we're reducing in the population of humans that are being created as a result of programming our species to think differently than what we were originally programmed to do. Right. Right. Well, what you're, what you're, By talk nature, of what course. you're talking about, uh, commander, commander, I love that, man. <laughs> so what you're, what you're really talking about is, so, you know, I, I've studied brain science and some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So when people are threatened, okay there becomes a state of amygdala hijack, right? Correct. And so when there's the amygdala hijack, you're operating in some kind of fear, flight, freeze, or appease. Correct. And, and for you, you learn how to do both flight and fight. Yes, primarily as I started flight, mm -hmm. and then I figured out- Because you were fast, too. Because I was fast. <laughs> and then I figured out that flight was not the solution. Yeah. The solution was fight and show a stance, a position- and reprogram the environment that I was in. Well, consider what I, what this is from the outside in and studying humanity and this stuff, that you got to the point where when you decided to stand your ground. Correct. Okay. You went through, did you share the seven levels thing with them? Not yet. You went through fear and Correct. Th through frustration really quickly through the gate of courage. And that's why it's up here, right? Correct. And so when we get out of fear and go to courage, there's like a whole new world that opens up. 
Absolutely. And then after courage comes engagement. Correct. And engagement is really interesting because there's a million different ways to engage. Yeah. Well, it's not only engagement, but it's preparation for engagement. Well, that gets into, that's the courage. Correct. Right? That's, you know, w- w- yeah. One could say that possibility, the door of possibility opens when one steps into courage. That's brilliant, Bob. Absolutely. I've never heard it put that way, but that's absolutely what happens. Yeah. You know? And so what ended up happening, what I'm seeing now, and I've known you, what, for two, three months maybe? About three months. Yeah. So- so what's happened is you have an incredible amount of facility and courage. Yes. And, and you, know, you know you don't occur as like you're not safe in courage. No. I don't ask the question, what if? Yeah. I don't let the what if because, stop me from going forward you, with my program. You've actually developed this muscle. Yes. Right? Well, it's actually, it's actually a door that closed in my brain that doesn't allow the what if mm-hmm. to come out. Yeah. So every time I ask the question... In my mind, mm-hmm. what if I close the door? Well, there's some there's some things we could talk about that off after the show about that because I'm not sure that's the 100 percent of the answer, but it, but it works for you. Yes, and it's worked for you up to this point. Yes, it has. Right, and and that's what's really cool, and and what I love about it, it's really demonstrating how not succumbing to fear and facing whatever the demons or challenges that one has. And what's possible on the other side. That's really why I'm so excited you're here. Because you're like a walking depiction of that. So many people, when they're faced with a situation of fear, will sell out or succumb or give up or uh, kiss butt. Surrender. Surrender, you know? Allow themselves to be assimilated. I want to talk about simulation later. Okay, because there's, there's a, I've got a position on it. I think it's necessary to achieve a culture that works for people, but allows actually allows themselves to become permanent victims, I think is what you're pointing to. Yeah. Okay, because that's what happened. And now we've got this whole narrative, especially in the libertarian agenda, of everyone's a victim, and there's actually like glory in victimization. And then we got to have all these programs and all these social programs, and you got to have service dogs, and you got to have, you know, uh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that that's Bob's giving me hand signals. I don't know what they mean. So, but well, I, here's what here's what I want to say. I want to I want to see. I want to give you the opportunity at the next segment yeah. to share what you feel you're here for today. Yeah, I really do. I've been and, talking to you. And to you can and tell me to, to shut up. Well, that's okay. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> that's right, we do. Yeah. And so, um, I really want to have you. Yeah. You know, you you got some thoughts that you want to share today. Interesting thoughts. Yeah, right. That that are somewhat challenging for people, and mm-hmm. we're and we'd like to give you the opportunity to share those in a context of you know propriety and yeah, you know all this good stuff that uh, keeps us civilized, shall we say? Yep. And and there's even questions about civilization that are going to come up. Actually, well, I think civilization. <laughs> well, civilization is in a static condition. You know, so Bob Pontarelli here, and I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll have more Into the Gap episode highlights after a short break. Into the Gap is on a quest for bringing self-knowledge right up against the glass of the great display window of life. We're also on a quest for advertisers to support this podcast, our weekly radio show, and our unfiltered podcast. If you'd like to get more information and inquire about rates, please contact me at bob at intothegapmedia.com. 
Greetings, this is Bob Pontarelli of Into the Gap, and we're really psyched to have the High PSI Company sponsoring our show. High PSI was founded in 1976 and provides the industrial cleaning industry's finest pressure washers and cleaners. They also represent brands like Hotsi, Alcoda, and Aladdin, as well as single operator fleet wash systems. You can access their services and a very competent, dedicated staff through their website at highpsi.com, or just give them a call at 800-666-3900. This is Into the Gap, the podcast, where we bring you highlights of our radio show, which airs every Saturday at 1 o'clock Central Time on WCGO AM and FM. Okay, back to the show now. Here's Mike. Hey, we're back. It's Mike Sherrick with Bob Ponerelli and the Commander. And uh, I was chastised for over-talking last time, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm just excited about what we're talking about. Uh, Commander, yes. there's, there's some stuff you want to, there are a couple comments you wanted to make. Please. Well, one of the things that I've been talking over with our mutual good friend, yeah. Bob, is what's happening to society between men and women mm-hmm. and how men are losing ground. Big time. And, that's, that's a big part of what we're about here. It's a huge part. And one of the things that's been disturbing is watching the movement of our women, the available women for men to have relationships with, mm-hmm. to create families with, to create children with. Yeah, to, to con- breed. To breed, to continue on with our species. Yes. The women are not finding what they need in our men, and they're going into women. Thus, lesbianism is on the rise. Mm-hmm. So, but but really, I'm, I'm, this is going to be, we're going to go out on the skinny branches here, as they would say. It's not necessarily that lesbianism is on the rise. Is what you're saying is is that women are pairing up with one another to get their needs met in ways that men are not yeah. able are not to able to fulfill. Right. right. And and what is the talk a little bit about that? What's the source of the absence of fulfillment that's going on? What do you what do you see? How the you men see are it? not properly engaging the women right. in physical or intellectual, you know, camaraderie. Right. So I'm trying to, I was going to use a different and, word, so and, I was... No, 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 and, and you're fine. And you're saying this because there's a sector of your life where you've had experience with this at many levels. Extremely. You, you, you have several children. Yes. And your experience of your children is, is mirroring what you're seeing in the culture yourself. Absolutely. Plus, you know other people that are going through this. You know you know guys that, are in, that have come from broken marriages and stuff like this. And so talk about some of the attributes of all this. Well, what I've been seeing is this. Men are afraid to engage women on a one-to-one. They will talk to them via text. Yeah. They will talk to them via email, via electronic communication. Yeah. Um, I believe all that is creating a gap between the actual <laughs> interaction between men and women on a physical basis. They don't pick up a phone and talk to each other. They don't hear each other's voices. They don't get the gist. They don't see the facial expressions. And what's lacking is the women are not getting the interaction and they're resulting to dealing with other women. You know, it, it's, it's so, so interesting because I agree with you. I mean, basically this whole show started because I made a, a, a video, did a talk about men abdicating their responsibilities, men. Correct. Right. And so from that, and then it, it got about it, 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 you know, for me, it was about masculinity. What does it mean to be masculine in the world today? Right. Mm-hmm. And yet, simultaneously going on, we've got Me Too and all the toxic masculinity and the Disney dads and all the stuff on the Fox cartoons that, that identify guys primarily as buffoons or weaklings or douches of somehow. And then our leaders 
<laughs> are, are you know the look at the look <clears> at the <throat> the men that are running for president in the Democratic Party, right? Beto O'Rourke, yeah. Corey freaking Booker. How about the Yang guy with the singing? Oh and my the whole god! Weird. And the, the, crying, the Don Hall team. Adam Yang. The most masculine is Mayor Pete. Oh right. Yeah. The most masculine. The most masculine. Yes, but and, and little what, what, does anybody know. Well, I think everybody knows, <laughs> well, right? Yeah, but but, but well, and, and, you know but, what? It, but, but a gay guy could still be masculine. Oh, absolutely. We, not, we had one sitting in that chair. The guy was a bad and when dude. You, man. When you say he's masculine, what do you mean he's? What do you mean he's masculine? Why? Well, it's way? not about sexual preference. No, it's right. about handling himself as a man, yeah, make, being right. able to make decision, stand up for what he believes, right? And you know, being able to take charge and move the situation forward to what he wants. The end result to be. So what are the a couple of things this guy did, just for the sake mm-hmm. of the clarity of the audience yeah. right now, because we're talking about this, this sounds a little sure. fuzzy or confusing to me anyway a little bit. So his behave, his masculine behavior is best reflected by what three things that he say or do that, that says that he's man. Who, who are you talking about? Mayor Pete. Mayor, Mayor Pete? Pete. Yeah. Well, one of them that, that raises questions is when he had this cop shooting, he yeah. disappeared for three days. That's not owning it. Right, no, but you're saying that he was was he's the most. He's the most. I didn't say he was. I said oh, he's the oh, most. He's the most. most. I got you. Because everybody else is such complete betas. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. And you know yeah. what the thing is with the political environment in the country? It's actually comical. It's right. like an Abbott and Costello show. It really is. Yeah. And it's a shame because they're the ones that we have elected to govern us. Right. They're mm-hmm. the ones that we have elected to lead us into this millennium that just actually began. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that are showing us the disgrace of their offices. So, mm-hmm. so Commander, one of the things you're pointing to right now is a real genesis of what this show is about. It's, it's a, a calling forth of masculine leadership, authentic masculine leadership in the world today in all aspects. Absolutely. You know? And, and what we've defined as characteristics of that are the ability to provide, the ability to protect, and the ability to leave a legacy. Absolutely. That's what we as men, as men do, we're designed to do from the beginning of time. That's our genetic programming as is the genetic programming for our women to support us, to stand behind us, to help us, to encourage us, to provide intellectual property to us and to help us raise our offspring, our children and continue on with our species. See, and, I, I love this. And how is, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I didn't mean it. I'm just excited about this because this is, <laughs> this is really, no, 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 this is really what it's about. And because what you're pointing to right there, which is so important, it's not that men are better than women. No, we're it, not. It's we work in partnership with them. That's what's lacking in today's yeah, and that's society the, because emotion yeah. has gotten away. Oh my God, I am a victim. Now I got to be praised and put up on oh. a pedestal because I'm a victim. No, the situation has brought itself. How has you handled the situation? How are you coming up? How can you say no? How do you stand up for yourself? And not stand up for yourself in the years to come, but stand up for yourself at the time of the yeah. infraction. At the time, you know, like one male aggressively handled a female. It's not that the male did it. It's how the female reacted. Punch him out. Yeah. Run away, call, say something at the time, not five years later. And also how other men, well said. how other men respond to that too. Yes, because the one thing is if the females did it more often, if they stood up for your, themselves at the time yeah. of the infraction, 
the men would respond differently. There would be fear in them for their actions. They would create accountability. You know, at the risk of throwing a little esotericism in here, you know, in theoretical physics, they say that the, and because we were covering this before you came in, the first segment of the show, Mike and I were talking about this whole idea of the field, meaning at the same time, we're responsible for conditions that we didn't create ourselves. We're not necessarily, this does not, should not occur as a burden. So that said that the field is the sole governing authority of the particle. So if mm-hmm. other men, if one man stands up, right, and right. he's standing up alone, He's not going to be heard. He's not going to be heard. He will be the minority. Right. So what this is a calling for is people to awaken to one another, both men and women. Am I I heading in the right direction? Absolutely. And the thing is, is the synergy between the partnership, between the male and female partnership, is how they interact, how they understand the position within each other, and how they move forward into creating a bond, a relationship, a continuation. And, a legacy. And how are women sexually repressed as a result of this? The men are weaklings. The men are not taking the time to figure out what is it that the relationship requires. What is their role within the relationship? Because they're being brainwashed. They're being brainwashed with video games to go kill the enemy, kill and kill the enemy. Be there in the basement in seclusion or in their room in seclusion. Talk over headsets. There's no collaboration. There's no physical contact. There's no observing. Kids nowadays cannot read emotion in another man's face or in a woman's face. They don't understand the raise of the eyebrow. They don't understand the frown because they are not exposed to it. They're programmed. They're programmed to become a robot. Because they're dealing with these all the time. This is what they're interacting with. Yeah. And that's the problem. And you know, technology is a beautiful thing. It's great. It's great. But how is technology being programmed to reprogram yeah. humans who are the ones that are supposed to be using technology, not being controlled by it? Right, right. You know, one of the things you talk about, you talk about partnership, right? And partnership with women. One of the things I see that's necessary, we need to change the game as far as partnership with men. Absolutely. So you've, you've got... That's the first role. Right. The partnership with men is the first role in moving forward to create the intellectual. So I'm going to give you an example in your own. You can cut me off if I go too far, mm-hmm. but you are, you, you've got a new business coming up. You're, you're raising capital for this business. Absolutely. And there's challenges, and this business is going to change the world and blow the world up, and it's going to be the most outstanding thing in the world. And, and I just realized, Bob just gave me some information, that the results that you were uh, talking about are actually more significant than that. Absolutely. Like conditions have changed that it's even more. There's a broader picture. There's a broader picture. Regulations has created the broader picture. So the point that I want to make is, and we got two minutes, I I can make it real quick. The the point I want to make is the typical way (coughs) men operate, right? It's in competition. I live, you die. I win, you lose. Mm -hmm. I get a good deal, you get screwed, right? Right. And so when when you're putting together this thing, that's the context that, that comes in that. When, when you're putting together a new venture and it, it's like that, it's not going to work. No, it's going to collapse upon its own weight. Right. And so what, and this is what I was explaining with Bob, what we have to do is change the narrative of the game. We've got to create a new game because the old game isn't working anymore. And this old game of us as guys trying to kill each other so that I can survive doesn't work anymore. The, the, the forces out there are, are, 
are overwhelming. And well, we have it, to... What, it, it, I would argue that they are exploitative forces. Well, absolutely. They're looking for weaknesses between us and, and one of the weaknesses, exploit us. And one of the weaknesses, and, and it's, it's, it's what's happened with the Me Too and the feminism and all this stuff, is they, 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 the weakness was the male individuality. Yes, The weakness absolutely. was the Marlboro Man, right? Like, you could kill one Marlboro Man. You can't kill an army of Marlboro Man. No, right? it's impossible. It's, it's, but right. one by himself, you can kill him. He's done. You know? Because you surround him, you change his environment. Exactly. And you put him out. But when there's thousands, the masses, and the numbers and masses, and that's... And that's actually what you know, my vision is to cre- create a flock of eagles, shall we say, or a flock of Marlboro men or an army of Marlboro men. And it's going to take something for those dudes to get beyond their individuality and their egos and all that other stuff. You're listening to Into the Gap, the podcast, where we bring you highlights of our weekly radio show, which airs Saturdays at 1 o'clock Central Time on WCGO AM and FM, Evanston, Chicago. If you'd like to get in touch with questions, comments, or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities, please email me at bob at intothegapmedia.com. Let's go back to the show now. Here's my partner, Mike Sherrick. So we're back. We're back with the commander, my, my partner, Bob Ponarelli, And we're talking about really men and responsibility on this show. And, um, you know, off, off air, we were talking a little bit about what's the gap. And, Commander, you want to share what, well, you, what you say? Basically, what I ex- was trying to make a point off yeah. while we were off the air was that as you said, men have been raised in this last generation by women. Yeah. Because And not that, only not only by women, but even when there's men present, by this feminist ideal and this you like like I got a friend of mine, Molly. She's got this this son. When he was in fifth grade, he got in a fist fight. Fifth grade. How many fist fights did you get in fifth grade? Oh, tons. <laughs> Daily? <laughs> Daily. It was I, like it was like first grade. Yeah, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. So, so I grew up in Berwyn. Mine was more like weekly. Right? Weekly, okay. Mine was daily. Yours was daily. That's why we learn how to run so fast. <laughs> yeah, but you got into that's part of being a fifth grader, <clears throat> right? You would have thought that this kid created a capital punishment crime, but he lives in Oak Park too, right? That explains the Soviet, it all. Part of the it. Soviet Republic of Oak Park. Mm. But yeah, but it was like, and she calls me up. She goes, you know. Her son got in a fist fight. I said, so what? He's fit in fifth grade. That's yeah. like a rite of passage, you know? And we don't allow for that. No, we don't. And one of the biggest problems we've had is in today's world, there's so many divorces. Yeah. There's so many fathers that have to work a second job. Yeah. Um, the dynamic, the economic, the social yeah. dynamic has allowed, like you said, the me generation, the we too, and everything else, women are... And men are not having long-lasting relationships because they don't know how to interact with each other. They don't give it enough time to work the relationship out. They run for divorce. Divorces get fueled by attorneys. Attorneys get rich. And the greatest wealth in America is spent out in divorce courts instead of allowing the families to grow and prosper. And the biggest crime is that the fathers are not there present to raise the children. Yeah, They get what? A Wednesday afternoon and every other weekend? 82% of the children in contested relationships are awarded to the mother and the father doesn't get custody he gets visitation uh, and just think of the word so it, we've created a social structure you talk about social programming before we created a social structure where the mother raises the child and the father visits and that's exactly what has happened in my life and it wasn't a good thing and i'm looking at the results at the alienation that has occurred between the father and the sons yeah. in the early years 
And once they get into their 20s, they come back to the father and they realize because they've ran into the same topics and issues that, you know. I, I want to tell you a crazy story. So I have a nephew, right? I've got a bunch of nephews and a bunch of nieces, but I got this nephew. And my uh, brother-in-law got divorced and he was raised by his wife, of course, right? Mm-hmm. This kid's a great kid. He's like 28 years old now. Mm-hmm. But do you know when he got potty trained, he peed sitting down. Do you know why? Because he was watching mom, not because dad. Because mom told him. I mean, this is how organic it gets from Absolutely. a perspective. I was Last week, I, I have a, a business opportunity up in Wisconsin. I'm talking to a Harley Davidson dealer to do some work with him, mm-hmm. right? And you know what their biggest ch- challenge is? When they hire young men to work inside the dealership. And this is not in an urban environment. This mm-hmm. is in a, a Middle West kind of town, you know, that you would think, you know. These guys are so self-centered mm-hmm. and so pampered. When they get, they don't even know what work is. They're 20 years old. They show up. They want a job. They think it's cool. And then they got to do something for someone other than them. Mm-hmm. They spend the first three months when they hire somebody with potential, acclimating them to what it means to work. Our acclimation on what it means to work is mom shows up at the couch with a shovel. It's snowing out. Go out and make some money. <laughs> <laughs> that was our acclamation. Uh, dad says, I'm not taking the garbage out tonight. You take it out. But no. when there's the absence of dad, mom takes out the garbage. Yeah. So, where, what, it, Commander, what is the... What are some of the steps? Because we're unbelievably coming into a home stretch here. We got about seven minutes left, maybe less. About five. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, of course, we're you. You got to come back on the show because this is not enough time to explore some of the many, many, many things that you know you and I have personally explored yeah. together. It was at the source of you coming on the show, and we're grateful to have you. Thank you. What can you say about? Like, what are some of the steps that need to be taken immediately in terms of triage? Like, what's some of the stuff that has to happen right Great away? Word. Yeah. The, one of the biggest things that needs to happen is there has to be interaction. Yeah. So men, we got to get people interacting immediately. Interacting immediately. W- Older men, non-millennial men. Yes. I'm talking the baby boom generation men. 55 ne- to 75. 55 to 75 need to interact with the younger men. So the younger men could get an idea of what it is to have strife, mm-hmm. what it is to have a work ethic, and what it is to learn how to work with a relationship with a woman. Yeah. The importance of a woman, the yes. true importance of a woman, not only right. as a physical being, but an intellectual being, as a partner. And not as somebody to be worshipped, but someone to be honored as a, as a, as a fellow human being Right, as a fellow human being, absolutely, and not have. Tell, what occurs to me, Commander, is this whole idea of transcendence. In other words, what I'm hearing you say, and I could be pulling this out of it myself, obviously, but is are we talking about transcending our own sexuality for the sake of communication? Is that what you're basically saying, like, or in a certain sense? Because in a certain sense, yes. I don't actually see it as that. Well, I mean, I, I not mean, exactly, you, you, but in a certain you're, you're you're maintaining your own identity as a, as a man, as a, a human, a, you, a masculine male. Like you, you you're honoring absolutely. your own masculinity. Absolutely. But, but what are you doing? Because obviously, this is a million dollar question. But what 
say more about this whole communication thing. Well, the biggest problem that we have right now is a lot of women are talking about feelings and emotions, and they're talking about violations, how they've been violated in this decision, how they're not given their rights, how this, how that. Yeah. Okay, the problem is that men don't understand how to properly address that issue. Mm-hmm. You know, you because know, it's a moving target. Well, the yeah. target constantly moves, it constantly exchanges. The biggest villain in today's world is Dr. Phil, as I'm... Oh, (laughs) that's a chapter in my book. Okay. Dr. Phil is an assassination on America. On masculinity. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the man, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't even know if he is a man. I think he is been put into American society to destroy our society. Yeah, uh. he's become somewhat of a creature of an agenda. What would that agenda be? Like, in, he's assuming a narrative that's To remove there. the masculinity from the yeah. American male. Yeah. Okay, if I, if, if I was governing a country, I would not want men to act like children. I would want men to act like men. I would yeah. want men to defend the country, to make the country prosper, to make the right decisions to move us into the new generation, into the new gap. Commander, what I'm hearing you saying is what's really needed <clears throat> is men need to own their who they are as men and allow women to be women. Absolutely. Because and not just women, but be partners. Well, and that it's it's that yin and yang then. Absolutely. How it fits perfectly together, it creates a whole, right? So we were intended and designed to be in partnership. And what's happened is through all these different agendas and all this different stuff is that partnership has now gotten funky. It has. And our job as, and I love how you pointed out, the baby boomer generation of men, our job is to begin the process of bringing that back together. That's what I say. That's exactly what I said. Well, the other thing is this that I've noticed is women continually, I mean, I don't know if it's the right word to use, nag. <laughs> Inform. Okay. Well, they have, they have a they have a complaint. <laughs> they they have a complaint. We're gonna be we're gonna be done in like thirty <laughs> seconds. So, thanks for that. But I hate to leave everyone hanging. But we got to go. Commander, thank you so much, man, for being here. Would you have fun? Oh, I had a great time. Yeah. I'd love to come back again. Yeah, we'll have you back in short Please, term. Please, thank you. Please allow us to thank you for listening to this show, as we are only too aware that your support makes it possible. 